It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. And a good Wednesday evening, everyone. Welcome to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And as we come on the air this evening, August the 18th of 2021, there is a lot of new developments in the COVID-19 world. First, the number of cases in our area continue to be very high and really no sh- showing no signs of declining. Hospitalizations continue to be very high in our area hospitals. And as a result, some action was taken at the state level today, which includes a statewide mask mandate for folks uh, requiring them to have masks on, vaccinated or not, in any indoor setting. And there is also some news out of the Olympia today from the governor of Washington State that those working in K-12 and higher education will now be required to be vaccinated. So a lot of ground to cover tonight, and with us, as she has been for virtually the entire uh, last year and a half on this program, Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, uh, we'll get to the mandate issue in just a moment on the mask requirements, but first maybe give us a brief overview of where we are with our current case rates and the impacts on our health systems. Sure, Jim, be glad to. Um, Like you said, they're not looking very good. We're not headed the right direction. When we look at our total case rates, um, we're up in Benton County. We're up almost 10% over last week, and same thing holds true in in Franklin County. So this week we're we're seeing in both counties a 10% increase in in rate. Our CBC West test site uh, currently about 22% of tests that are run out at that site are positive. So, again, that's a very high rate. Hospitalizations, from the previous week, our, our rate of hospitalizations has increased so much. We're like a 30, 37% higher right now than we were last week at this time. So... As a community, we are not heading in the right direction at all. Our case rates are up. Our hospitalization rates are up. We do have a tiny, tiny bit of good news where our vaccination rates are very, very slightly starting to go up, and that's good news, and we need to keep on the upward trend in in that area for certain. And if you would take take a quick second to share with our listeners again to remind them that the 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 issue we're facing with this significant increase in this in, incredible stress that it's putting on the healthcare system is due to this Delta variant. Is it just because it is so contagious? The Delta variant is extremely contagious, and that is a lot of what's driving our case rates up. We have a very low vaccination rate in our community compared to some other places. And you have low vaccination rate, a population that is very, very susceptible, and then adding on to that a variant that is so extremely contagious, and the result is exactly what's happening in the Tri-Cities. Our health systems are being overwhelmed with the ability to care for all of these ill patients. And I, I think what our community needs to consider is you go about your day-to-day life, You can go to the store, you can be with your friends, your family, and you don't truly experience the impact of what this virus is doing to our systems, especially our healthcare systems. 
And when we've done pandemic drills in the past where we've practiced for events just like this, we've practiced not only in public health but with our acute care hospital partners, and this is the part of the pandemic that we fear the most is when we're seeing the organism, and in this case the COVID virus, at such high rates, so easily transmitted and causing so much illness in people that our hospitals, our healthcare workers cannot keep up with the load. And, and we've hit that point. And we've been at that point for a couple of weeks now. And unfortunately, it still consider, c- continues to get worse. And, and that has all of us in the healthcare professions very, very concerned. Later in our program, we're going to visit with an intensive care unit physician from Cadillac to find out what the current state of affairs is out at Cadillac, not only in the ICU, but throughout the hospital. But I want to touch on that point as you're talking about Hopefully, we're starting to see some vaccination rates going up. We'll get a little bit later in our program before we let you go talking about this booster news that's come out recently. But I guess until these rates get back up, that's why we saw these mandates go back into effect from the state on masking for unvaccinated and vaccinated in indoor areas. So is that, I guess, until this vaccination rate, those are the kind of strategies that need to be employed? You're exactly right. Right now we're um, not able to keep up with it. If everybody went out and got vaccinated right now, if they could, we have such a large number of people that need to get vaccinated. And then with Pfizer and Moderna, you have to get two vaccines. So a person is not going to be protected from that vaccination for weeks. Therefore, we can't rely alone on vaccine alone right now. We have to bring back all those mitigation strategies that actually worked when we were in this very similar situation, you know, months ago where our rates were so extremely high that some very um, stringent mitigation strategies had to be put in place to get our numbers down. So our, you know, our message right now is, yes, the governor has said that as of the 23rd, masks will be mandated anytime you go into a public building inside a building. And that's one of those really tough mitigation strategies that work. We've seen it work. It has worked for us before. It'll work again. But it also gives us time to get more of those people who haven't been vaccinated. Let's get that vaccination on board. So once these uh, mitigation strategies are lifted, as we see our rates improve, then we will have a much larger vaccinated population. So hopefully it will prevent us from getting into this situation again. And I and I know the word mandate has just drawn so much uh, controversy, is, for lack of a better word, just because of people not being, you know, felt like they need to be told what to do. But if I think if we went back a year ago at this time when there was a statewide mask mandate put into place, there was also limits on restaurant, how many people could be in a restaurant. The, you know, our, our economy was much more shuttered than it is now. And so I guess uh, hopefully if there's any silver lining uh, from this, it's, it's not as severe the, 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 the issues that we're dealing with from a, a, an economic standpoint and a livelihood standpoint that we were a year ago, although the COVID is just as prevalent. 
Right, and that's why we are really counting on on the public, on our community, to get those masks on. Let's get our case rates back down so that it doesn't end up moving into affecting the economy of our community. And something as simple as putting on a mask can really make the difference with what is happening today versus how we could improve the situation over the next few days, the next few weeks. And as you say, even now, if people start getting vaccinated, that full impact won't be for a period of at least four to six weeks. We're visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. We have much more ground to cover with her. We're going to come back and talk about uh, vaccination rates and vaccination concerns for uh, third vaccinations. There's some news that has come out recently in that realm, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, continuing our discussion with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And I want to continue our discussion on how we can increase these vaccination rates in our listening area, particularly in this part of the state of Washington. And as we uh, looked at the data the most recently, the state of Washington's rate of fully vaccinated age 12 and older uh, residents of Washington State, 63 percent. In Benton County, that rate is 49 percent. Franklin County reports 42 percent. Walla Walla County reports 54 percent. So as Heather mentioned, as these rates continue to grow up, go up, uh, that really uh, elevates that importance of getting vaccination. And I know, Heather, um, the news additionally that came out of Olympia today is that now all K through 12 and higher education personnel are going to be required to get vaccinated. And certainly uh, that's not going to be easily done because I know they have to get that done before October 18th. So a lot of pressure on that. But maybe talk a little bit about how this is so helpful to help elevate uh, the fight against COVID, especially with this variant. Well, as we've talked in, in past programs, the important thing we need to do is to protect that vulnerable person in our community. And in this situation, it's those children. Uh, since they can't get vaccinated under the age of, under the age of 12, it is imperative that we cocoon those people with people who are vaccinated. Not only is there certainly the risk to, to the student, to the young people, and as we've seen happening across the United States where we are seeing some very high rates of infection in children, and children do get very, very ill from this, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can make sure our children do not catch us and don't get sick, especially until a vaccine is available. Then we also know that we have teachers in, in that profession who are very vulnerable and could have a very bad outcome if they were to catch this. So not only are we cocooning the children, but we need to keep our workforce healthy because we need our teachers, we need our bus drivers, we need our, our cafeteria staff present and healthy and running our schools so that our kids can stay in school. Nobody wants to go back to remote learning. We know that that is not the best place for our children to be. So the best thing we can do for our children right now is to get vaccinated and get those kids cocooned by vaccinating everybody possible. 
Before we talk about this uh, third booster shot for people that are already vaccinated, just a couple of quick questions, if you would, on ones that I'm sure get called into your office at the health district that I know I get just uh, running around the community uh, from week to week. But relative to vaccination, if you are vaccinated, even as contagious as this Delta variant is, are you more protected uh, from the Delta variant if you are vaccinated as opposed to being unvaccinated? Absolutely, you're more protected. We hear all the time about breakthrough, and yes, it does happen. Right from the very, very beginning, nobody said this vaccine is 100%. What we're trying to prevent is death and severe illness, and that is exactly what the vaccine does. So it's doing exactly as we hoped it would. So statistically, and I'm looking at July statistics, We'll get new statistics very soon. But if you had 100 people with COVID, five of them would be vaccinated, but 95 of them would be unvaccinated. So we know very clearly through the data that we're collecting that this is a disease of the unvaccinated right now. And with that, I know some of the the concerns that people are still weighing their options on whether to get vaccinated or not is this concern that it was rushed. And I know this word emergency use authorization, and and I understand any day, hopefully by the end of the month, uh, that may be lifted. What's your answer to people who have that concern about it being rushed and hurried? You have to really look at what went into getting this vaccine to the market. And those steps started two decades ago. This is not brand new technology. It has been researched. In fact, when they did the studies early on on people, when they started to bring humans in and vaccinating them, let's see how it worked. More people were studied getting this vaccine than many, many other medications and vaccines that have hit the market. So this one was actually looked at Uh, much closer and with much more scrutiny than many medications that come out on the market. And so it was not rushed to the market. It seemed like it was because we had a, a pressing need. We have a pandemic. And so a lot of the work that's done ahead of time with getting approvals for this and waiting for this and being in line behind other medications that are trying to get approval This one was pushed to the head of the line. It didn't have to wait those years and years and years in the queue waiting to be allowed to move along. Just a couple of minutes left, and we want to touch on this third booster, this third vaccination uh, that is now being recommended. I know it's probably way too early to lay out the logistics of this, but I understand uh, it will begin to be available or the plans are for in September. What do you know about how, how we as all who have been vaccinated will be getting this third shot? That, that's really a good question because, yes, we know that that third dose, the booster dose, is, is coming, and we're hearing that it's going to be probably September. And we expect it to be rolled out very similarly to how the vaccine originally was rolled out, where we're going to have the healthcare workers, the elderly, those people who are the most vulnerable to a bad outcome. Those are the ones that are going to be encouraged to be allowed to get it first. So it'll be rolled out much like the original vaccine was. Now, the third dose for that immunocompromised person, 
That is happening now. Your private medical doctor can write you a prescription and you can get that third um, dose if you fit that very specific criteria that CDC set out as immunocompromised. And it's a very small scope, but it's your private medical provider that can write that prescription for you and you can take that in and get vaccinated. So more to come on that, and I guess check with your, your health care provider as, as you uh, move forward in the coming days and weeks and months on, on where you can get that, that third dose if you are in that category. I want to touch real quickly. I know, uh, especially with where we are with COVID, there's uh, events still going on. The fair is happening next week. What's your advice to people if they want to go out and, and enjoy the fair, but it's at the same time protect themselves from COVID? Sure. We know that a lot of large events in our area, many of them have chosen to either not have the event or have decided to alter it so it is a lot more um, COVID-friendly, a lot safer for people to participate. Next week, the fair will be ongoing. And with this new mandate of masks being worn inside buildings, we certainly hope people take that to heart because that is an excellent uh, environment to pass COVID. There's also a lot of crowded areas when you're crowded around the animals or if you're watching kids showing sheep and pigs and wandering through the those tight spaces, that's also a very good way to transmit COVID. So I would encourage people, yes, you're going to wear your mask inside the building, but goodness, when you're in a space even outdoors where you're shoulder to shoulder and you're going to be sitting there for quite a while or spending time together, by all means, get your mask on. That's going to save a lot of transmission. And I I should say, obviously, with the fair, just because of the time factor, it's next week. But I know, you know, we've touched on this before, you know, Mariner baseball, the Huskies, the Cougar football is coming up, the Seahawks themselves. And, And I guess would that be your advice as well, even though these games are going to be outdoors to, if you're, again, if you're sitting there for three four hours at a time, maybe wear your mask while you're enjoying the game if you're outside? And that would certainly be our recommendation. Take every precaution you can to prevent catching it and transmitting it. I have just uh, one minute or so, and I want to end with uh, the vaccination uh, question with you, and I guess put on your best sales pitch hat of um, almost four decades of public health experience and in, in vaccine. But what is your most compelling message to continue to help people uh, who are still not quite sure whether they want to get vaccinated? What is your, your message to them tonight? Sure, Jim. You know, everybody has their own personal reason why they get vaccinated, and I can only speak for myself. And for me, being a nurse, working in the area of infectious disease, learning about what organisms do in the body, and realizing how devastating and how problematic this virus is for the human body, I personally didn't want to, first of all, suffer the symptoms of COVID because they are not pleasant. The shortness of breath, the blood clots, you know, multi-organ failure. But beyond that, I didn't want my family to have to suffer the grief that they might experience if I got extremely ill or lost my life to this. So for me, it was a very personal decision that I didn't want my family to go through what a family dealing with COVID goes through, and especially the loss of a loved one. And I personally did not want to put my body through what COVID does to it. 
So again, it's very personal, and, and that's why I chose to. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks, as always, for your time, and uh, pass along our best wishes to all of the frontline uh, health district team that has been working so diligently on this uh, ongoing pandemic. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. We are going to get right back into the program because we have the opportunity right now to go live to the Cadillac uh, Intensive Care Unit in Richland and talk to Dr. Fani Kentamnani, who is the ICU Medical Director at Cadillac. And he is actually uh, working, and we surely appreciate you, uh, Fani, to take a few minutes to share with us uh, currently where things stand. In the first part of our program, we touched just on how uh, serious it's become in the hospital setting. Give us what's it like right now in the ICU at Cadillac. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, uh, I'm working today. We are. Ha- I have 16 K- patient, patients in ICU, and 12 of which are uh, COVID patients, and 10 of them are on the mechanical ventilator. When I started this morning, um, I did admit one patient today that came from the acute care floor, but in house, I'm told we're we have about 74, 75 patients. But yeah, we are busy with, and most of my patients are unvaccinated COVID nineteen patients in ICU. And that's what we continue to hear and and touched on with not only the actual cases of COVID themselves, but the vast majority of those that require hospitalizations. Uh, are you hearing among those patients that you see on a day to day basis of those unvaccinated? saying they are, they wish they would have gotten one or if they are able to um, get out, that they will? Yes, I think uh, I think a big majority, more than 99% of the patients, that because when they see me, they're, they're in a pretty bad shape, as you know, when I work in ICU. And when, when, when they start getting their symptoms worse, um, then this, that's when this, uh, they see me. And the doctors call me and say, hey, you know, this patient is getting worse. Can you come and help us? So by the time I go there, they're, they're in a pretty vulnerable spot. They know that they might end up on the mechanical ventilator. They understand they may or may not make it. So I've heard many of them say, you know, I, I wish I took the vaccine. Or, and, and the good thing is a lot of them have told, talked to their families and friends and encouraged them to take vaccines. And I think we are beginning to see that, yes. Are the patients, the age of the patients that you're seeing, not only in the ICU, but what you're aware of around the rest of the hospital that require hospitalization, is it a younger population? Yes, and um, this is a change that we're seeing since the last uh, time we have, we were so busy with COVID um, during the first round of this pandemic. Most of my patients were 65 or above. And we did have some young patients back then, but they were the minority. Right now, majority of my patients' age is between um, 25 to 55. So I have a lot of young patients coming in and, uh, and I see you ending up on a mechanical ventilator and uh, we're able to help a lot of them. But we do have uh, some of the patients, unfortunately, succumbing to this disease. What is your biggest challenge right now, Fani? The biggest challenge right now is we're, we seem like we, we're in a helpless situation because I know the community knows that there is an effective vaccine out there which works 95% of the times to keep you from getting sick. There seems to be a misconception 
people thinking that if I get the virus despite getting vaccination, what is the point? So I want to stress that the vaccines are not designed to keep you from getting the virus. They're designed to keep you from getting sick, sick enough to come to the ICU, sick enough to come to the hospital. So to see patients coming in healthy, you know, mothers of children and, and fathers and, and sons and daughters coming and getting admitted to the ICU and, and spending so much time with us and not being able to make it out of here, that is really uh, distressing because we know that we have a vaccine that works and that could have kept them safe. And unfortunately, the families that are visiting them are, are, are getting left behind are, and they, they say, hey, we tried to convince them to get the vaccine or I don't understand why we didn't get the vaccine. So that is the biggest challenge for us right now. And if I have another minute, I would also want to add that. Yeah, the, another big challenge we're facing is we are unable to help people um, that are coming from other places. So as you know very well, but this is just for the community, Cadillac is a regional referral medical center. We do help a lot of communities, not just in Tri-Cities, but outside of Tri-Cities, you know, Pendleton, Clarkston, Moses Lake, um, uh, a lot of top nation, all these places that do not actually have a hospital but have critical access points. Uh, we, we used to be able to help these patients and, and bring them over here and provide high-level care, ICU critical care. Now we are unable to get those patients because we are really full and uh, our ICUs are occupied for a longer, longer amount of time. Our beds in the hospital are occupied for a longer amount of time because patients with COVID-19 um, need extra time to get better. So everything is a backlog. So uh, it's unfortunate, but if somebody has an emergency out there, we're not able to help them. You know, it could be it could be one of our family members who may get into a road traffic accident, and all that, all that, all those pe- patients we can help right now. That that is a big challenge, and it feels I, it feels helpless that I'm not able to help these people. And as you mentioned, just statistically, if you currently have 16 patients in the ICU and 12 of them are COVID and had most of them are unvaccinated, the math would dictate that had most of those 12 been vaccinated, they might not be in the hospital needing that care that is, as you mentioned, that could be provided to some of these other types of uh, serious care that people need. Absolutely. All 12 of my patients, the COVID-19 patients, are unvaccinated right now. Um, so that speaks a lot. And, and that's been the that's been the case in, across the hospital. So, I would like to have you, if you would. I know uh, the staff. It just seems like it's been a, an a unending, uh, unending situation, not only in the ICU but all throughout the health, the health system here in the community. But talk to you, talk to us a little bit about uh, the colleagues that you work with, not only in the ICU but throughout the hospital setting, and and what it's been like, and just I guess. Uh, Maybe a, a, a little uh, about the their commitment to seeing this through. I know they're tired, they're frustrated, they're burnt out. Some of them are probably a little bit irritated. But uh, what, what's your what's your feeling to your to your friends and colleagues that, that you work with? So you know all of those things that you touched upon. But most importantly, everything stems from that disheartening response from the community, knowing that not getting those vaccines on time and protecting themselves and and essentially you know you're helping the community a lot if you get your vaccine not just yourself um so lack of that effort is pretty disheartening and taking care of covid patients is more stressful than your regular icu or sick patients you know uh you may have heard about this you know the oxygen numbers go up when we turn them on their stomach so and we have and when we do that 
day in and day out turning patients, which we did not do, of course, before the pandemic. We used to do here and there for influenza patients. But now you have the nursing staff and the respiratory therapists and the, you know, the providers, everybody doing this. There's also a physical burden. And I have had a few of my colleagues and nurses who physically were injured. So the stress is real. It's both, both emotional. It's both physical. And um, I have had nurses just up and quit, some just changing departments, and, and, and we, are, we are losing staff. So, and it's, this is not just a problem that Cadillac is facing or Tri-Cities is facing, as you touched on. This is, this is everywhere right now. So. so a bottom line message from the head of the ICU at Cadillac is? Is please ask the right questions. Don't just say, I don't want the vaccine. Ask the right questions. Ask the right questions to the right people. Um, if I may use an analogy, if you're getting lost in a mountain hiking, and if there's a team of experts who have hiked a bunch of mountains before, and you have your friend with you who probably hasn't hiked that much, you should take the advice from the right person. That's all I'm saying. You know, Everybody has the right intention. I'm sure your friends that are telling you the vaccine is not good, they probably have the right intention. But are they informed? And are you informed? So ask the right questions. Ask us, ask the providers, ask your friend, and look around and come to us with your concerns about the vaccine, and we'll be happy to answer. And please make an informed decision. Make a wise decision. That's all I can say. And do it on behalf of, if not for your family or yourself, but do it on behalf of people like you and your colleagues that are taking care of these patients. Absolutely. It'll be a great service to the community, without a doubt. Dr. Fani Kantamnani, the ICU Medical Director at Catholic Regional Medical Center. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Fani, for taking some time with us tonight. I know uh, you're right in the middle of a busy shift and continued uh, our best wishes to you and your colleagues, and I know they come from all of us in this listening area as well. We will be back with the final minutes of Catholic on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. We are so grateful to have with us Dr. Fani Kantamnani, the ICU Medical Director at Catholic Regional Medical Center, and we had so much information to talk to him. We asked him to, to hang on with us uh, if he could. Um, again, he's still he's working currently in the ICU at Catholic, so hopefully he doesn't have to break away, but he has such valuable information and a great perspective that we thought we'd uh, spend a little bit more time with him. And Fani, again, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, I'd like to have you from from your viewpoint as a physician, uh, just where are you at with with uh, some of the issues relative to concerns that people might have? I know one of the questions that we had touched on with our public health uh, expert, Heather, in the first part is, is the concerns that people who are unvaccinated have about that these vaccines were a little bit rushed for their mind, this emergency use authorization. Where do you come out on that as an ICU doctor? That's a good question. Yes, so it might seem like the vaccines were rushed out, but if you look at the background, these mRNA vaccines and the mRNA technology has been researched upon since the 1980s. They had a breakthrough in 2005 and when mRNA vaccines could be safe. And we've had vaccines for Zika and, and rabies, which, which have been tested. And these were mRNA vaccines. Now, this when the coronavirus first came about and we know we knew the genetic information in the January of 2020. Uh, the companies that the researchers, one of them is Moderna, that was funded by NIH, and uh, the other one is Pfizer, as everybody knows. They 
they grabbed grabbed upon it uh, the concept and then they started working on making this vaccine now there's another network of uh, uh hospitals and universities and uh, these are called vaccine and treatment efficacy units which NIH and CDC have been funding for the last six decades. Now, the, the idea was if a pandemic like this would happen and a medication or a vaccine were to be rolled out, then these organizations were ready, these units were ready to design a study and enroll uh, patients and test it immediately. And thanks to the brave Americans who signed up to be the first 40,000, 50,000 patients in both Moderna and Pfizer uh, studies, we knew within the first few months that these vaccines were safe. And we also waited for two to three months after the vaccines were given because any long-term efforts, effects that vaccines have are usually seen in the first two to three months. After the first two to three months, data was collected both from Pfizer and Moderna studies and submitted to the FDA, at which point the EUA was given. So any ideas that people have that this has been rushed, I don't think are true because we know for sure the infrastructure, the science that has gone into coming up with a robust study with a vaccine like this in a prompt fashion had, you know, decades of infrastructure and science behind it. So you can be rest assured that these vaccines were thoroughly tested and, and, and um, uh, made sure it was safe. Now, the rest of the data has also been submitted to the FDA, and the FDA approval should come up any, any day now, as you all know. So. And does the fact that there are, what has there been in the United States, over 300 million total doses given of these vaccines, does that help, I guess, justify their efficacy? Absolutely. 169 million people have been completely vaccinated um, by last week. And the initial claim that these vaccines prevent 95% of diseases and uh, disease severity is, is still holds. So the CDC has released the data and studies are coming out of Kentucky and Missouri. And these studies are saying that the efficacy holds even against the Delta virus. Again, like I said initially, um, please do not think that, you know, my friend who got the vaccine has the virus now or my grandma got the vaccine and she still got the Delta virus. Like I said, the vaccines are not designed to prevent you from getting the virus. They're designed to prevent you from getting sick enough to be in the ICU or the hospital. And that still holds. Another important thing, Jim, is, you know, you might hear people saying, well, they got the vaccine, but they still got the virus. Now, if you, if, if, you, if you put that into perspective, every day there's more number of people getting vaccinated. Um, a few months ago, we did not have these numbers. So, of course, the number of people that are getting infected now uh, and that have all, all also been vaccinated is going to go up because more people are getting vaccinated. Um, but remember that these people are less likely to spread it, and these people are highly unlikely to come to the ICU. Um, and since the beginning, since January, when the vaccine started rolled out, um, I can count on my fingers how many patients that have got the vaccine came to the ICU. And even if uh, the, the three or four people that came to the ICU, uh, they did do better and, and moved away from the ICU. So these are all really strong indicators that vaccination works. Um, and it has, and honestly, we should be proud that as a country, we were able to pro, uh, produce two effective vaccines um, in, in, a, in a prompt fashion to help, to help the uh, people of the United States. And maybe just we have about one minute left, if you would, and you've touched on on that piece with, with people that are still uh, not quite ready to get that vaccine. Is your advice, and you touched on, gave a great example about the hikers, but uh, is to gather information, talk to someone you trust. Is that is that how you would uh, recommend a, someone that might be uh, still having some question? Yes. 
like I said, you know, it is very important. One of the main things that I come across is people ask me, how are you sure that there's not going to be any long-term effects? Uh, my answer to that is, you know, dec- decades of research has not shown any significant long-term effects with the vaccines that we have so far. Having said that, I will acknowledge that we also do not know the long-term efforts of this vaccine. Um, but again, you know, who are you going to take the advice from from people who know what they're doing and, and you know, have seen this multiple times um, or, or somebody who's, who's probably not as experienced? So please be informed and please gather your information from the right person. Ask questions. Get to the bottom of it. If your friend says don't take the vaccine, ask him why and, and how, does, how does he know for sure the vaccines don't work. So get to the bottom of it. Be wise about it. And, and, and keep talking, keep asking these questions, and, and choose wisely. Dr. Fani Kantamnani, you've been so gracious with your time. The ICU Medical Director at Catholic Regional Medical Center, we appreciate your time tonight. And again, as we touched on a moment ago, um, give our best to all the team, not only in the ICU, but throughout the hospital over there at Catholic. I know it's, uh, it's a difficult time, uh, but they're still performing admirably. Thanks, Jim. Dr. Fani Kentamnani, the ICU Medical Director at Catholic Regional Medical Center, we thank him. We also thank Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And again, the information coming out relative to that third shot for uh, the booster, if you will, for Pfizer and Moderna patients. Uh, gather more information. I know the Health District will uh, continue to update its website as they learn more as well. And thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week on Catholic Country.